Hey, what's up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. This is a show for complete athletic development. Our objective here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. This is our first recording of 2024. So what's up, Chris? How are you? Hey, good, John. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. It's, uh, Great. Took us a couple times to get this thing going. Um, <laughs> shake off the rust. It only took a month. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So, guys, if you're new to our show, Chris uh, is my co-host. Um, our show. Our show's a, a little different than your standard podcast. We actually have multiple episodes within the show, or multiple shows within the show is a better way to phrase that. We have three different episodes you'll get from us. Number one is going to be a Q&A. That's bi-weekly. That's where Chris and I will take the questions you submit to us at. Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Guys, those are questions related to performance, training, nutrition, rehab, neuro, you name it, we'll tackle it. You guys have been sending us some great questions, although they have been all over the board as far as DMs and YouTube and all that. And guys, I appreciate it. It's awesome. Thank you um, to all our YouTube listeners while I'm thinking about it right now. Um, guys, if you leave me a comment and I, I don't get back to you, I apologize. Uh, I will. I always check, but sometimes I forget um, with all these different vehicles. You know how it is, but we're working on rectifying that. So don't feel like you're uh, being left out. I appreciate all the great questions because we've had a ton on YouTube. So thank you. Um, and you can DM us as well. Well, but we prefer if you email it just helps us keep it organized so that's uh that is our q and a um the other bi-weekly episode you'll get from us is our guest interview and uh, that's just like every other podcast on the planet that's where we're going to bring in the best of the best across the country across the globe at this point uh, in the process and they're going to share their stories uh, with what they do in their practices their gyms their clinics how they help their patients clients athletes win and as you know we launched the first episode of 2024 was dr jack cruz that came out last week and I have a feeling that's going to be a pretty good episode that everybody's going to want to listen to, wouldn't you say, Chris? Absolutely. And by the way, when anytime we get questions, you know, for Doctor Cruz, or we get questions for Doctor from, you know, regarding like our interviews with Doctor J, Jay Schroeder, with whoever. I mean, it doesn't matter who they are, but a lot of times we'll get questions saying, "Hey, next time you talk to, you know, Doctor Cruz, ask them this, or Doctor J, ask them this." You know, I, I do want to be very cautious in saying that it's not like we're on the phone or on text with these people every day. In fact, we're not even on text chats with these guys every month. Dr. Cruz is very difficult to get in touch with. We feel very blessed to have had him on the show a couple of times. Um, and you know, John can attest to this. It's generally on the fly. He's like, I got next Tuesday at 3 p.m. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we have to really, sometimes you really have to juggle schedules here. And so we, we definitely will, anytime, if we get a good question and it goes into the flow of the interview, we will definitely ask uh, next time we have this person on. But we can't just, you know, we, we might pick up the phone or we might, you know, send them a text or a, an Instagram uh, direct message. But guys, chances are we're not going to hear an answer back. Um, anytime soon for most yeah. of these guests. Yeah, no, that's a great so. point, Chris. I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, guys, kind of be patient with us on it. Now, there are a few people that we um, have had on the show that we are very close with that we can't yeah. text, but we're not just going to text them things like that. You know, we have to respect everybody's personal and professional life. And so 
I think maybe what we can do is, as we have some guests lined up, guests that we know you guys really like to hear from, maybe I'll be able to post something about, hey, you know, this guest is coming on. Send us your questions if you are a frequent listener, and we can maybe go that route. Um, right. That's a good point, Chris. But, yeah, uh, so, you know, that was the guest interview. Uh, we got some great guests coming up this year already just in quarter one i put up a post about it the other day if you don't follow me i'm at farmer john elp on instagram that's really my main platform there but uh we got brent rooker coming back on it's my guy it's uh oakland a's all-star he's going to talk about what he did uh the last off season with us through the evo system go to things like that uh, we've got um the nutritionist from the denver nuggets coming on as well and then we have jennifer childers who is the uh physician assistant and healthcare person that I have talked about multiple times on the show and some of you guys have asked me about her before and I'm really excited for Jennifer to come on. I'm excited for all the guests to come on, but I think Jennifer is going to be an awesome resource for a lot of you guys because you're going to see how we're actually able to blend a lot of the stuff that a lot of us, including you guys, do the, the neuromuscular work, whether it's the newbie or square one or neurotarget or what have you with the conventional so to speak western medicine now that's not exactly what jennifer i mean she is a healthcare provider but she's very open-minded and can connect dots unlike a lot of doctors and stuff um you know in western medicine so that's why we're blessed to work with so it's gonna be cool to hear that one so that'll be coming out here right. in a couple weeks as well but we'll have some more guests coming on if you've got some requests i'm, I'm more than happy to take requests I actually send them to chris and uh we'll try to get them booked but then uh, lastly, the final episode you'll get from us is a quarterly Friday Fire Fact. That's about 15 minutes of me just yelling at you, brain dumping at you, guided wisdom, just something related to the field that I feel like needs to be talked about that maybe doesn't specifically have to do with training um, or the rehab side of stuff. So that's our show breakdown. We don't run ads on the show. We just ask that you pay your dues and share the show. Uh, if you got value out of it, bring us a friend and help us spread this message. I took a look at our numbers over Christmas break, and I'm not going to say what they were out um, in public, A, because I actually don't remember off the top of my head. I just know that they were huge. I was really, really impressed and really humbled uh, and, and grateful for you guys because this is y'all. This isn't us. We just do this. You guys like the content, you pay your dues, and we're very appreciative of that. We've got some big goals this year and what we want to accomplish. And, guys, this is a mission, so we appreciate you being behind us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much all your housekeeping that we need to cover, and we'll get right into it. So today is a Q&A, but we're going to take a little different route to start the year off. And we're going to re-record one of our most popular episodes that we did. Um, and this episode... I want to say we did it. It was like our fourth episode we ever did. Right. And yeah. <laughs> admittedly, we were very amateur. I mean, not that we're by any means better than amateur at this point. We're still pretty unprofessional and rough around <laughs> the edges. <laughs> but we were still trying to figure out our recording and all that stuff. And so the audio was pretty terrible. Plus, I was in New Orleans at the time and trying to use a hotel Wi-Fi to get signal. It was just bad. So we know that was a popular episode. We know there were a ton of questions about it. So... We wanted to uh, redo it and maybe clear some things up, um, both uh, metaphorically and, uh, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, audioly, audioly. And audioly, yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is why we're amateurs. We right. say we don't run shows, guys, but really, truly nobody wants to pay us. Um, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> oh, man, all right. So, the almighty ISO extreme. It's yes. what everybody wants to talk about. It's what everybody is interested in learning more about. Um Let's just, before we begin, let's just state and make sure that everybody understands. We are not speaking for Jay Schroeder. 
Not speaking for Jay. All right. Jay's been on our show. He's we owe all of us owe a huge chunk of our career to Jay. He has taught all of us a ton. I'm not speaking for Jay. All right. Please go listen to the interview with Jay. It was great. It was one of our first interviews we did in 2023. This is simply after years of being in the field, both Chris and I, with the people that we've worked with, the people we've had on the show, our experiences. This is our discussion on this. These are not Jay's words. All right. So, and I'm not going to take a question to Jay. So don't ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will yeah. on occasion, you know, when, I, when I'm ready to be a glutton for punishment, because yeah, a lot of times, no uh, yeah. you know, I'll, uh, <laughs> so. Seriously. All right. Yeah. Well, in, in essence, we'll start with this and saying that when you're digging into the ISO extremes, this is something that Jay Schroeder developed, okay, or the terminology he coined. And in essence, there's essentially seven deadly positions, Right. Seven deadly positions of the ISO extremes, and they are a variation, in my opinion, of your two main specific types of ISO. So you could almost say it's a third one, but we'll get into that. As everybody knows, or I hope you are aware, if you're a coach, that there are really two main different types of isometric movements. If you don't know that, then I'm getting ready to tell you right now. There is a yielding and there's an overcoming isometric, and they are very different. Why don't we touch on that first, Chris? Okay. Well, first of all, before the, by the way, this is actually answering a question from, from a question that I got actually twice in the past, in the past week or so. And if you begin to understand how is it that strength training or why is it that just general strength training is not always the best type of training, I guess we could say for athletics. Okay. I know the answer. Why is that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it's, well, it's, it, I mean, it's multifaceted, guys. Right. So it is there's multifaceted. No, I mean, one of the simplest things is just because you can bench a certain amount does not mean that you can actually display that strength in a game situation. Correct. The other uh, other component to it is even in lifting, even maximal lifting, the literature shows you that you you don't recruit maximum you know muscle fiber like recruitment doesn't happen. Even if you're going the max effort method, it still doesn't occur. Isometrics are really one of the only ways, well, ISOs and the newbie, you know, are one of the only ways that you can recruit more muscle fiber than your body will actually allow you to recruit because your body is going to try to protect and survive and conserve energy. And so those are two kind of big reasons right there um, why, I don't even remember what the question was there. It was like why strength training isn't the most important thing, I think. Why generalized, why, why standardized strength training is not necessarily the best for athletics. Sure. And the, that's usually you know. the two reasons that I state with people. Right, and of, and of course, those are. T- I'm going to give you two more that they're very comparable, but yet slightly different. And if you, I'm going to have everyone picture in their mind for just a minute, and, and we're going to go with something that most people do at some point in time or another, and that is throw a ball. Okay, throw a ball. So, John, I'm going to ask you. Unless you're Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. You, you yes. Clearly, don't know how to throw. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, okay. all right. So, I'm going to ask you, John. Sure. All right, you're getting ready to throw a ball. Um, what do you use to bring your arm back? Okay. To bring your arm back. Okay. Cause you don't just, you don't just throw a ball using the muscles that push. Right. right. Okay. You've got what to do pull you back to, into position. You, I, what do you use? What, what part of your body? You know, we're thinking just arm now. Granted, yeah. there's a whole bunch of muscles in your body, whole bunch of joints in your body. I'm talking, talking about just arm. What parts of your arm bring that, bring that arm back? 
I don't know. You're the one with the degree. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just no. I mean, well, I mean, you've okay, got a yeah. combination of lifestyle. I mean, you've got the upper back, you've got the shoulder blade girdle, you've got yeah. the rotator cuff that's going to help stabilize the glenohumeral joint. You've got the lat. You, know, you, I mean, everything in the posterior side is essentially going to help pull you back. Correct. Yeah, everything in the backside, the, the rear delts, the the like you said, the the, the scapular I mean, retractors. It's all because it's all kind of one motion. You're not just pulling back, you know, like a bow and arrow. So Correct. it all kind of is working together. Right. So you use the muscles on the primarily the posterior side of the upper body to pull that arm back. Well, instantaneously, as you're getting ready to throw the ball, actually start bringing that arm forward, the muscles you just used to pull that arm back have to shut off. Right? They have to now, everything that pulled that arm back now has to shut off, and everything on the front side of the body has to turn on, okay? So it's an on-off switch. It happens very rapidly. It happens under very high levels of force, not necessarily high levels of weight, but high levels of force. Backside muscles shut off. Frontside muscles turn on. Boom. Now we start reversing the motion, and now we can actually start throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. But you can't just throw the ball with your arm in front of you. It has to come back, then forward. We could use the same example in running in the hip, or we could use the exact same motion with, say, swinging in a your trunk in a, in a tennis swing or a baseball swing or whatever else. We could think of a million different examples. But if you think in terms of muscles turning on and off at very high velocities, and then you think in terms of standardized strength training, when does that ever happen? When do you ever use your body to move in one direction, then the opposite muscles to do the, to the opposite, you know, the opposite muscles in the opposite direction. So let's apply that to something like practically for somebody who's new listening to this, because some of you guys, you know, a lot of y'all, our audience, you know what we're talking about, but if you're new, apply it this way. Let's talk about the two examples I use all the time are like a bicep curl and a squat. So in the bicep curl, let's think about this. When we talk about flexion here, all right, what muscle is designed to flex there in the bicep curl? We obviously know it's the bicep, right? The bicep, right. But then what muscle is there to extend the arm back down? That's the tricep, correct? So what happens here is if you are doing a bicep curl, for example, using the bicep to curl up and then slowly lowering it back down. Maybe you're doing an eccentric or maybe you're just doing it in a controlled manner. You're using the bicep to extend the arm. And in bodybuilding, that's fine. In life, it's not fine because now you're teaching the body to move incorrectly. And the nervous system remembers this. The myofascial network remembers this. You have to use the tricep to pull back down. So again, as bicep contracts, tricep lengthens. As you lower the weight back down, triceps should contract, biceps should lengthen. That is what Chris is talking about when you're throwing the ball. And ultimately, one of the huge reasons why strength training can be very ineffective is because it teaches you to move incorrectly. Correct. And the squat's the same way. Squat's exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. So if you... So the whole point is behind an ISO extreme is it uh, so much of it is counterintuitive, but it's counterintuitive to general strength training. It's not right. counterintuitive to the way that you move in athletics. 
It is the way you move in athletics. So, so the number one key with any ISO extreme is the position. Okay, and you know, and if you listen to any of our interviews that we did with David Boer, you know that an ISO, a true ISO extreme, is in a fully lengthened position. Right. So let's let's yes. use a lunge. Okay, let's use a lunge. For most people, that's going to be your hip below your front knee, or at least at the level of your front knee. Um, and Typically pl- about one inch, you know, one inch, give or take, of your weakest position is usually where people, I usually encourage people to start. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're low. And then you're work eight. to getting to that extreme, yeah. And then you're working your way downward, not upward. Mm-hmm. And, John, you know, as you've, I've heard you say many times in you know, the back leg, you're trying to extend that back leg from your hip, right. okay? Not not from your spine, by the way. Okay, you don't want to have an arch back, but correct. And that's ex- actually where I wanted to head with that. You know. Yep. Yeah. So go we ahead talk and take about it. yeah. So we talk about position. All right. So position in the ISOs, the way that we do it is the joint essentially that we're working is going to be at a ninety degree angle to the ground. All right. 90 degree angles, as you've heard, if it's not a right angle, it's a wrong angle. Why 90 degrees? Because the muscles alterate around the joint very fast. That oscillation process is very quick. It sends a lot of feedback up to the brain. So we're teaching things to fire at a very, very quick rate. That is one re- Well, it's one reason why extreme slow builds extreme speed. There's some other things that happen. But nevertheless, what I'm trying to say is 90 degree angles. So in the lunge, we're talking about front shin 90 degrees. In the push-up, we're talking forearm to the ground. In... Um, You know, wall sit, we're talking shin to the ground. In scapping, we're talking about forearm, 90 degrees to the handles. (laughs) You don't really have an option there. Um, You know, now preacher curl is an interesting one. Uh, There is some debate on that one, but dip, same thing. Forearm's 90 degrees. Now, elbow placement in the push-up and the dip are slightly different. But you understand where we're saying 90 degrees. That's very important. So if you're doing an ISO and it's not at a 90-degree angle, you're not going to be recruiting muscle the way that you're supposed to be recruiting. And I tell my guys, look, you're getting slower. You know, you, you can do your wall sit wrong if you want. I really don't give a shit. Like, that's up to you. I'm just giving you the info. But if yeah. you're going to be sitting there using the quads intentionally, you're going to make yourself slower. Um, so you've got that 90 degree. Now let's talk about the, the deepest position because I, I do think people get confused, especially on the lunge. That's the popular one, all right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We talk about, like you said, back leg is straight, all right? And so, guys, I want you all to picture, like, think of your skeleton, right? And just think of what happens as you execute, like, a leg curl, all right? There's no knee flexion there, all right? Now, think about that if you're doing, like, say you're doing, like, a reverse lunge, right? And that back leg goes down into that, like, 90-degree angle. Think about what you see all the time. I just watched a huge SEC baseball program that's right down the street from us showing their guys doing reverse lunges with like 300 pounds, and you can just see their knees wanting to explode, that back knee. Think about the forces that are put down on that knee, or if you're trying to hold a lunge, the forces that are put on that back leg if it's at a 90-degree angle. We want that back leg as straight as we can because it actually allows for good alignment, all right? That's important too, guys. Don't don't miss that. So if you're developing knee pain from something, I would be more than willing to bet you're, the way you're doing a lunge is playing a huge part in that. But let's talk about, Chris, the core component to it. 
because I know that there are some people that have talked over the years about getting into the extreme position kind of regardless. There are others that will talk about the neutral lower back being a big contributing factor to it. Now, as you said, you don't want to, you know, super hyperextend your lower back in an ISO lunge. Mm -hmm. But to you, what is that defining characteristic there? How do you judge that? Because I know plenty of athletes and clients that can get into a very, you know, very deep lunge, but they have what you'd say is probably a pretty significant, you know, like lordosis there. Like there's a pretty solid, maybe excessive curve. Hmm. What are your okay. thoughts on that? Okay. So you have, first of all, you have to think of, of an ISO extreme lunge in this case as something more than just a leg exercise. Okay. It is a whole body. And, it, and this is one thing I know Jay will agree with. And that is you should be able to do a lunge and get your whole body stimulated with just that one movement yeah. to, you know, to get everything out of it you need. Yeah, now, that said, point. okay, I'm not suggesting that be the only exercise. I'm just saying Jay would say that, all right? So just the lunge alone, yes, it's, it's front leg. Yes, we're pulling down with the lead hamstring. Yes, we're, we're flexing the lead hip. The back hip is trying to be extended, uh, you know, just as you just discussed. But you extend the hip. Well, the abs, the abdominals have to be engaged, right? That pulls your pelvis underneath you, reducing that lordosis that you're referring to, that hyperlordosis. Also, the glute, all right, has to kick in to get you out of excessive lordosis. So if the glute and the abs are not contributing their share in that particular movement, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see some excessive lordosis too much curvature in that low back, okay? So clearly, when we talk about position as number one and then, uh, you know, hitting the extreme range as number two, well, clearly, if that person has too much lordosis, then your your key number one position is not correct. Mm -hmm. Your position, well, the number one most important well, thing see, is and not I'm gonna put you on this. I'm going to put you on the spot with this. I'm going to ask you this question because sure. I, I, I do think it's a very interesting discussion. Um, mm -hmm. And <laughs> I think when it comes to, you know, A, I don't, I'm not a believer in the neutral spine. I do believe there are certain things that, you know, there is a time and place for things like that. But, right. you know, um, there's that funny meme. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, you know, we're going to do a neutral spine. And like he walks around <laughs> like into the office with it. Right. Know, it's, it's right. Um, but I think there is something to be said for that. If you're not able to, you know, engage the right musculature, then I do think you need to revert back and go back into that, be able to get that neutral spine, to be able to engage the muscles the right way. But what I'm saying, Chris, is where, because the lordosis conversation is so subjective, mm -hmm. and it really is, unless there's something out there that I don't know of, it's extremely subjective. What are you using as your gauge as to whether somebody is excessively arching the back mm -hmm. or if, you know, Hey, they're arching the back a lot, but they're able to contract the right way. Right. Yeah. My eyeballs, honestly, I'm not, you know, if, if you, if someone is, is hyper lordotic, too much curve and low back, you can see it. You can see it. Okay. They're, they're butts dipping backwards. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just, okay. I agree with you. There's, I don't believe neutral spine, that argument either. I'm, I'm right there with you. That said, you can get excessive in the other direction. 
And if you allow it to go too far, you're training the long, the wrong position. Now you're setting that person up for who knows what kind of problem. And what, and that also sets up the, the certain muscles to not engage properly. Your psoas muscle can't engage properly. Your abdominal muscles clearly are not engaging properly. Your glute muscles are not engaging properly. Um, and that said, do we sit there and get a goniometer out and measure it? No, of course not. But you know when something's excessive and you know when something's not. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you got to correct that part first. You got to get position. Position's number one. Then we work on, you know, what what's engaging at what time, you know, what direction in an iso extreme you're pulling down toward the floor. And then, you know, uh, by the way, we haven't even gotten to this part yet. You can reverse it. And that's called a, re- that's called a, 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 a Russian lunge or, or, you know, you know, a jumping lunge, if you will, or a, a overcoming, you know, I think John, that's a word you used a minute ago, but we're talking about purely an ISO extreme right now in this definition, pulling toward the floor. Um, if you happen to get too much excessive lordosis and you can see it. Yeah. It's, it's just wrong. I mean, that's, you're going to, we're on the lordosis thing. Let's talk about the wall sit because that is one of the cues that I use. The lower back does need to be neutral. What are your thoughts on that? What do you Mm -hmm. do? Yeah, it's hard. That one's Mm -hmm. tough. If you have never gotten into an ISO extreme wall squat. All right. I'm going to challenge everyone here. Get on a slick floor. <laughs> Get on a slick floor. Um, if you if if you live up north and you have an ice sheet somewhere, go stand on. <laughs> you should be able to do that ISO extreme squat on that ice sheet. I've never tried it. I'm, I live in the south. You know we don't have too much ice down here. But I do have hardwood floors, and occasionally I'll have socks on. I'll try to get in that position, guys. It's my turf hard. in my gym just isn't glued down. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, just so you know, back, back in the, in the day when I first started with Jay, we would have a polished concrete floor in the old fashioned, uh, plyo boxes. Okay. So if you were not in the right position, guess what happened to that box? It slid out from under you. Can, can you picture that? You get out of position, you start trying to hold yourself up instead of pulling yourself down. The box slid. You had instant feedback. Instant feedback. So you always have to pull yourself in. Now, that said, you do that correctly. Yes, you can hold that back nice against the wall. But let me tell you, that's hard to do, especially when you go to try to stand back up out of it. It's, that is a hard, that is a very difficult position to get into. But it's something worthy of, uh, of, of working on, I'm going to, you know, suggest everybody listening to this to go try it. Mm. Slick floor. I don't suggest you put yourself on a box to start with. Okay. Mm. (laughs) But like I said, slick floor, try to put, put a pair of like clean socks on and see, uh, see if you can hold that position without your feet sliding. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. So we've talked about the lordosis. We've talked about the position, you know, of the front leg, at least in the lunge and some of the other 90 degree angles and positions there. All right. Let's dig into like we you talk about and we both say, you know, this is both physical and mental. Before we get into the mental, I want to talk on the physical side of it just a little bit. We've had this conversation before where we have talked about, you know, do we what do we feel? And as David would say, we don't feel anything. We just execute. 
I'm not going to get into that whole conversation today. Go listen to one of the, I don't remember what episode it is where I talk about that. But in general, what muscles should we be feeling in different positions or for new coaches learning to do these? That like, because what I'm trying to say is what muscles do we need to feel across the board because this ultimately leads to this full body engagement that we're going to talk about. Well, let's just start for just a minute with a, with a push up, something we haven't discussed yet. Sure. Um, you're going to be lengthening your, okay, keep in mind, I'm all the way down full, all the way down in the push up position, full stretch between two boxes and trying to pull myself even lower. Well, think about what muscles work on a bench press or a push up. You know, every, most people would say chest, the front part of your shoulder and your, uh, your tricep. Okay. That's true. They are, they are working, but th- you're working toward lengthening those. Okay. You're lengthening the chest, the front of the shoulder and, and your tricep. So what are you, what are you shortening? How, what muscles do you shorten to make those muscles lengthen? Well, it goes back to the same thing we just discussed earlier with throwing a ball. I have to use the muscles in my upper back, the back of my shoulder, and my bicep in order to lengthen the muscles in the front. So I'm pulling myself down into position, not just sitting there hanging out in that position. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, by the way, that's just that's just a push-up. I'll relate that to people that are lifters. So if you're a lifter, what are the three, really three most important muscles in the bench press? It's going to be your lats, your rear delts, your triceps. Ironic that it's on the back side. Huh. Right. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. But there you go. I mean, it's, you know, it's the movements are pull, push, or mm-hmm. rotate one way, rotate the opposite way, or twist one way, twist the opposite way, or flex here and extend there. I mean, it's it's on off. Um, John, you have a couple of the impulse machines, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have, we have one, but it's broken, so we don't get to use it very much, but you can get the same effect with a ball drop or a lot of people just use a bottle of water um, to, to drop, you know, to do, uh, you know, various types of drops. And all it is is, tr- is training that on-off switch. Okay, I, pu- I put something in a, in a position, I release that bottle or I re- release that ball or I release that, that small dumbbell. I then have to go get it faster than gravity is pulling that, that weight down because... Remember, that weight's got a head start, so I have to move my, my limb fast enough to go get it, pull it right back into position. Drop right. it, pull it right back into position. So, once again, it's, it's on-off. An iso-extreme push-up or an iso-extreme lunge or an iso-extreme wall squat, you're still training on-off even though you're not actually moving very fast. Right, exactly, exactly. So... We've touched on a lot of the physical components to this. We've given you guys some ideas of, you know, or not ideas. They're, they're, and they're not theories. They're in concrete. Okay. Like of how these are supposed to be done. So one of the other elements that I'll touch on, and we don't have to spend a ton of time talking about it is just the full body engagement of what these are doing. Um, so for example, I trained my wife, probably 12 years ago at this point, trained her for the Navy nautical 12, which I think is like 13 miles and 
to run that race in her training, we did zero running. Zero, none, not a single bit. She set the best pace of her life. How did we do that? It's because when isometrics are done the right way, a lot more happens than just the strength component. If you understand how the energy systems work, theoretically, you can actually recycle and recover the other energy system. So when you reach the aerobic component, everyone thinks the only way to train aerobic is through cardiovascular-based work. And that's not necessarily true. You can use it to help assist and recover the other energy systems. Now, when you get to the lactic component, that's a whole different you know, discussion about whether or not you can go through you know, the pain that you're dealing with and all that. But here's what I'll say is I've done it, all right? Well, I didn't. I coached it. She did it. And if you're and if you're if you're listening on audio and you can't see the video, my wife is standing at her desk over there giving me, you know, the bad eye like you dumbass, like you didn't do shit. <laughs> um, so, but they can train the energy systems, guys, and that's part of it. Like when you're doing these ISOs, th- this is not just about reaching a time threshold. This is a a physical, intellectual, psychological, emotional, spiritual endeavor. But there is a lot of shit going on in these. And if you just do them because you think it looks cool, you're missing the point of what's actually happening here, right? There's a lot of stuff you can do when you train them the right way. And I just thought that was a relevant point, something that I wanted to bring up, um, because I know there is a lot of information out there about this stuff. I see a lot of people post it, and, and it's great, like, cool, like, but there's a lot of stuff that's just done incorrectly. And I'm not saying that I'm the leading authority because I'm not. You want to ask Jay, all right? But we've been doing things for a long time with a lot of pretty good results. You know what you say, Chris? Like absolutely, yes. Good results, and you know, I wasn't going to make this public, but I am um, because I feel like it needs to be said. Like I'm not going to use any names by any means, but I found out that a lot of information that I had spent quite a few years accumulating and working with other individuals and practitioners and doctors was actually stolen from me and posted online. And it was in the and look information is meant to be shared. So I'm going to say that uh, that's not what bothers me. The principle bugs me. It pisses me off. I, you know, that people would steal that and build their career off of it. Um, you know, and steal a lot of my stories and information to build their career off of it and share all that information online. But I say all that because if you know what I'm talking about, there's a lot of really good stuff out there, and that is meant to be shared. I'm glad people have access to it. But I think it's very important that people understand how to use it the right way and using it with the right intent. Intent is huge, both from you know the intent with your athletes and the intent with your exercises and the intent, honestly, with you as a human being. And I think when you do a lot of ISOs and things like that, you know, it it challenges a lot of your interpersonal beliefs and, and convictions because you're, you're taking yourself to a whole different realm, right? And I just thought that this was a relevant thing to bring up, and this was not the point of the episode. We just kind of went down that path. And, uh, and so I want to say for the people that have that information, awesome. I hope you use it to your advantage. I hope it helps a ton of people. <clears throat> and to the people that, you know, maybe help me get that and you see it and you wonder where it came from, it was stolen from me. And, uh, you know, I greatly appreciate everybody that taught me over the years. And 
this is why we do this show, and that's to give back, right? we got to give back to the community, so this is my attempt to give back and help those that want that help and do it the right way. But anyways, it goes back into the ISOs. How you do intent, you know, your intent with it is very important. Right. Yeah, it's not just numbers on a page. It's mm-hmm. it's way beyond that. And, uh, you know, it's the physical, you know, the position, the, the you know, the, you know, what exactly is going on physically. Are you pulling into position? Are you trying to hold yourself up? You know, blah, blah, blah. We've already discussed that. But, yeah, your mindset, you know, are you are you engaged? Are you, is your mind wandering to, you know, what you're going to do the next hour, what, you know, what are you doing? What do you, what, what involvement, what level of involvement? And you always, I always say to, because I, I train a lot of pitchers. Yeah. You, you're in the you know bottom of the seventh, I have mostly high schoolers. You're in the bottom of the seventh inning. You got two out bases loaded and you got a three, two count. How engaged are you? You know, yeah. that's, that's what we're talking about here, guys. That's the, that's the level of engagement that you need to have in your training. I don't. Not, I'm not suggesting that be your picture. Okay, you know how we we said what's going on in, in your, what is your picture? And we talked discussed that with Jay. I'm not suggesting that be every pitcher's picture in their head as they're training. I'm just saying though that's the level of engagement you should have. Yeah, so. that's actually. I want to go down another path with this. Um, we might get a little off topic with it, but you know, whatever. We've already gotten off topic, and if you're a listener, you're a fan of the show, then you know that <laughs> that's pretty do, normal. Right, My medicine right. is worn off now. It's two thirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I had a, a college athlete. He's been in my system a long time, and uh, you know he's he's bounced around to other facilities, got to experience some other things, and I think that's great. Um, I, I really encourage athletes to do that. Um, that's another topic in and of itself, too. But he asked me a question the other day that I, I don't I don't I didn't text this to you, did I, Chris? Not sure. Okay, because it was something that he asked me. I'm like, well, I want to talk about this. So this uh, this kid's a closer um, at a college um, down here in the south. Uh, he's a pitcher uh, closer. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the mentality and the difference between starters, relievers, and essentially a closer, right? And that a lot of times closers will come in in a very pressure-based situation. And he asked, does the intensity of the training need to change to prepare them for that mental component when they step into a pressure situation? And so hopefully you see the connection of where, I, where I'm going with this. And... I honestly, I told him, I said, you know, man, I need to think about this. Like, I, and I sat and thought about it, you know, for a day or so. And I said, you know, no, I don't, I don't believe the intensity of the training needs to change. I think the intensity should always be high regardless of whether you're a starter or a closer. But it's the intent and the mental component that's different. That's what needs, I, I mean, I think everybody needs it, but I think, when it comes to somebody who has to deal with excessively pressure situations, that their training needs to reflect that somehow. And I think that comes with a mental component. I don't know. What, what do you think? What's the answer to that, particularly in relations to ISO extremes? Well, I would imagine that a closer's mentality is going to be different than that in a starter to begin with. So chances are their picture. Remember, Jay, or their, their feeling, as Jay would say, I'm going I'm to use his verbiage here. The feeling is going to be different because we're talking about two different individuals, you know? So that feeling for 
for pitcher A, who probably has a totally different type personality than closer, you know, they're going to have two different pictures or two different feelings because they are two different people and two different types of people. So does that sort of make sense? It, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I did, and I thought it was just a really, really good question. Yeah, like, it's a good question. Particularly for I, somebody who's been through the system the way that they have. All right. I don't know that the intensity changes, but I do think each individual's feeling will change. Right, right. Now, maybe we're doing like an ISO extreme lunge and, you know, we're holding that for whatever prescribed time. And, you know, maybe for the starter, you know, I show them a picture of butterflies. And for the closer, I, you know, hook the newbie up to their, you know, head. Don't do that. Please do not do that. Right. All yeah, right. Disclaimer, yeah. do not do that. Yeah, right, turn the newbie up to instead, 100 right? slap it on their legs, right? <laughs> Create another stressful situation for them, right. yeah? You know, now, maybe I do something like that. But, no, I think the intent um, matters, but the intensity of the training doesn't change. And I think that just relates to your ISOs. Regardless of what your goal is, I think the intent of how you do it is very important. Right. Um, let's touch on real quick. We've got just another five or ten minutes here. I know we're both on a time, uh, a hard stop here, but – Let's talk a little bit more about the overcoming ones and, you know, and approaches to that. Because I okay. see that done, in my opinion, I see some of them done great, some of them done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you follow my, my business Instagram, Elite Level Performance, you'll see us doing a ton of them all the time. I love, I love those. Mm-hmm. I like extreme slows and ISO streams, but I like overcoming as well. What's your experience with those, Chris, and how do you implement them with your system? Well, we, we do uh, a lot of pin lunges. So the weight on a bar, for example, is not particularly heavy if, if there's much weight at all. But what we do is we'll turn the, the rack of a like a power rack. We'll turn the, the spotter racks upside down and put the bar underneath it. Okay, so usually it's going to be front foot elevated. Not always, but usually front foot elevated. And they're going to pull down away from that power rack. There's your ISO extreme position. Then they'll push into the power rack with the, remember, stick in hand or bar in hand, whatever. They'll push into it for 10 seconds and they'll pull away from it for 10 and push into it for 10. You can also do it with a part with, if you have like two partners, they can hold your shoulders down. You push into their resistance for 10, pull down away from it for 10. You know, you can do it that way. Um, and so that, that becomes the equivalent of a overcoming or at least an, an attempted overcoming lunge followed by an ISO extreme. Um, uh, Another faster version of an overcoming lunge is is a Russian lunge. Pull down into an ISO extreme, then push away. Immediately shut off the pulling down muscles and explosively fire the reverse muscles. Okay, Think of athletics. There's a a technique. It's faster and it's more explosive than your pin, but it still works. It's the same concept. Then when you land, you pull right back in again. Okay, so you land. I'm pulling into position when I land. I push away explosively. I pull back in on my landing. I push away. I pull back into my landing. Um, so everything is still some variation of pull, push, on, off. Pull into position, push out of, push out, not push out of position, but push out of the, of the ISO extreme. Um, so does that sort of make sense? Those yeah, are the two yeah, versions absolutely. I use. Yeah, I just I wanted to hear I wanted people to hear your take on it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what we do. Um, you know, could you use more weight if you wanted? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. We don't, but that's that's uh, yeah. you know we, we certainly you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we do. 
Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I love, I love doing those time and place for all of them. Um, you know, I think just depending on what it is you're trying to accomplish with an individual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like to do a lot of the pins. I like to do hack squat, like ISO holds, like that. I love putting that type of stuff into a French contrast, um, you mm-hmm. know, style. Um, I, I love French contrast. Uh, I yeah. use it constantly, essentially. But I like to plug in different things like that. Uh, great results from it. Um, there's a there's a little tip for you guys if you don't uh, do that already. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. Um, yeah, I, shout out I, I to Cal Deets. That's why yeah, I learned I love about that. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I love that uh, approach. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, I think provides incredible benefit and it also gives some variety too and keeps things going too. Just yeah. if you're looking at it from that perspective. Um, yeah, you got over then like extreme slows too. Um, you know, to touch on that. I mean, we could do a whole episode on each of the different quote unquote types, but. Mm-hmm. I'll touch on extreme slows, right? So in in the extreme slow, you're essentially doing the same thing as you would in an ISO. You're just starting from a much higher position, but you're pulling into it the entire time. Right. Now, there are some certain things that you need to take into consideration, like let's just say you're doing like an extreme slow lateral delt raise, all right? That's a, one of my favorites. Like once you essentially like you just fight, you fight, you fight, you fight, and or pull, 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 okay? But, you know, when you get to about 30% or 30 degrees or so, you know, left, you know, you can pretty much hold that all day. Like, so you kind of need to reset, you know. And I, and I kind of talk to people about that because I see the mm-hmm. lateral one, the lateral raise done like that kind of incorrectly. Or a standing, like, extreme slow preacher curl, they'll kind of get all the way down and just sit there and hold the bottom. And it's like, well, if you're doing extreme slow, you, you kind of want to reset and go through the whole thing. Um but no, that's just my opinion. What do you, what do you, you any thoughts on that? Yeah, we've kind of done it both ways. Um, typically with, with extreme slow or super slow, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, yeah, we typically will start again, slightly, you know, above, you know, the extreme range, start working our way down. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's, it's harder. I find to get someone to pull into position from that position because, the, the tendency is to want to hold yourself up. <laughs> I mean, you're already mm-hmm. kind of up, so you want to try to hold yourself there. That beca- becomes tricky to kind of to not be pulling into position, but it's one of those things where that's where the initial, you know, mental engagement, trying to it, trying to tie the mental in with the physical, that's where we really have to, you know, engage them a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I think typically we'd hit a certain point and then just reset. Um you know, go back up to the starting position. So yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all good stuff guys. I hope that helps some of you guys. Uh, maybe if, you know, for some of y'all, this was a little bit of a refresher for you. And, you know, again, I, I want to state, I just feel like this is a good episode to, to say it. Um, I want to state that, you know, if you have some of that information, great guys, use it. Um, you know, I spent many, many, many years working, um, to gather that and to connect and do things the right way um, and take it and use it and apply it with the proper intent and uh, good things will come to you, man. So hope, uh, hope that's what you guys do with it. Um, I hope this episode helps you. I hope you got value out of it. Uh, if you got value out of it, share it. Uh, if you didn't get shit out of it, then I guess don't share it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, we appreciate you guys. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. That's the show. See ya. See you guys.